0: Hello and welcome to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast, the show where we talk about all things transportation, anything that gets you from here to over there. And we have another special guest since, well, our regular co-host, Joseph Peters, is again on assignment. Actually, he's just living on the west side of town and he doesn't have a car. Uh, so, (laughs) So with me today is the Director of Public Relations and Government Affairs for AAA Colorado and an all-around great guy, great spokesperson, and uh, and a super fabulous dresser as well. Uh, Skyler <laughs> McKinley, you welcome. better be- you better believe I have a car in my line of work. Yes, you do. You <laughs> definitely have a car. Uh, so, Skyler, welcome to the Driving You Crazy podcast. Thanks for being here. I'm happy to drive anybody crazy. Yes, well, <laughs> you are. You're going to drive us crazy. So, we're going to talk about. Uh, A lot of things today. First, I want to get your impression of the shoebox studio. It's impressive, isn't it? It reminds me of my first
1: apartment, so it rents probably a little bit more, but other than that.
0: Yeah, it is. uh, It's a little small. Um, Hopefully, it'll stay cool and we won't start to smell in here, so we'll see how all that goes. Um, But we'll talk about a lot of things today. We're going to talk about gas prices and uh, what's happening over the legislature, um, insurance, infrastructure, the zipper merge. We had a big story, a big 360 story about the zipper merge, and so we'll talk all about that. But first, I have to start with this story, all right? Traffic police in China got the shock of their career after pulling over a motorcycle driver, only to find that instead of having an official government-issued driver's license, he had a handwritten piece of paper With his picture glued to it. Usually when you fake a document, you know, if you're trying to get a fake ID, you try to make it, I don't know, as genuine as possible. Right, why even try? Not this guy. Yeah. Not at all. All he did was take the necessary details, scribble them on a piece of paper, hoping it would be enough to fool the police. And obviously it wasn't. When the officers asked the man if he was pulling their leg, he calmly explained that he was just too lazy to study for a driver's license test and didn't want to spend money on driving classes anyway. So he decided that a handwritten license was better than not having anything at all. Since the motorcycle was long overdue for mandatory inspections, it was seized by police,
1: and the man was asked to report to the traffic department the very next day. This reminds me back when I used to have a motorcycle. Uh, I didn't have a, a phone mount, so and I, my GPS was just taping a sticky note to the tachometer and seeing how to get around. I, it was kind of my own, my own solution. Well, um, you
0: know, you have to do what you have to do, and I, that, that is a pretty decent solution.
1: Until the sticky note flies off. Yes. <laughs> and then you're stuck and lost. because <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's before the old GPSs, right? Right. Because I have seen some of the motorcycle guys, they have either their phone on a little mount with their Waze or Google Maps or whatever, so they can see where and know where they're going. Um, and then they have the radio blasting, and all that kind of stuff.
1: Much like your guy in that story, I was too cheap to ever buy a mount for anything, and uh, certainly, th- I mean, I probably spent three hundred bucks on the bike. I wasn't going to spend fifty on a phone mount.
0: <laughs> I know it sounds like my first motorcycle. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun there in college when I was riding it around. All right, so let's talk first before we talk about all the different issues uh, that you guys cover and that you have covered. Let's talk about how you started with AAA. How did you get involved in this automotive subject? Were, were you, do you always like cars? Were you a car enthusiast? Or how did, how did all this start?
1: You know, I always liked cars. I never thought I would be working in the industry. Uh, I actually worked in politics for a long time. Um, I worked. I wrote marijuana policy. I worked for then Governor Hickenlooper. And as I was leaving politics, I, I thought to myself, well, I'd like to work somewhere where people like me and like where I work. Not just me liking where I work, but other people. Because when you work for someone like a governor, on a good day, only half the state hates you. Yes. Right. So I thought, well, wh- where do people? What do people like? Well, AAA. I saw the job. I thought, oh, everybody loves AAA. I mean, the the worst thing you can say about AAA is on your worst day, they're a little bit late getting a tow truck to you. Um, so I saw the position and I applied. You know, and it tracked with my interests uh, as a car enthusiast and as as somebody who had a motorcycle. It was not something I had a lot of professional knowledge in. So that first year. I've been here two and a half years now. That first year was a lot of learning, uh, especially – and you have to imagine, my, my coworkers are gearheads, right? So uh, it was trial by fire for – or trial by transmission fluid for a little bit.
0: <laughs> right. Usually, AAA is sending out the, hey, we're going to have this many cars on the road for Thanksgiving or for this holiday or that holiday. you always always tracking the gas prices and that sort of thing.
1: Does that ever get monotonous? Well, the gas prices are always changing, at least. Uh, no, I'm joking. I I, I think <laughs> – what AAA has changed over the past, you know, 10 years to really be a research organization. We, of course, do roadside assistance, and and we're of course still a travel agency. But in the automotive sphere, it's more than just gas prices, and it's more than just travel numbers. It's hey, we're uh, we now own in California the nation's largest autonomous vehicle testing facility. Uh, we're working with auto manufacturers on gauging distraction uh, we're the leading judge of, of impairment when it comes to actually getting to where you're going, this idea of mobility, AAA has now morphed into, we're going to research this and we're going to be at the cutting edge, and so every day something new comes across my desk, and I have to master it, I have to learn terms I don't know about uh, a few weeks ago, I, I was reading an, like a 100 page report that diagrammed electric car batteries um, so, no, there's no monotony, believe it or not, I, I thought the same thing, I'm going to go to AAA it's this old company, 17 years old i'm going to be bored out of my mind and no two days have been alike
0: i see now more of the because it, it, it used to be old school AAA. a you go out and get the membership and therefore you know that if you have a flat tire you run out of gas you need a tow truck they will come rescue you and it's usually these tow companies that then partner with AAA a that would then dispatch a truck out to you from the rural wherever but i think in more metro areas you guys have your own trucks. I saw one the other day when I was driving home helping somebody who was changing a tire. But it wasn't a standard, just regular tow truck from Dave's Towing. It was a AAA branded truck that wasn't a tow, what didn't have any tow capabilities to it. Maybe it has the capabilities to push something off the road, uh, but it looked like it was more of a mechanical truck than anything.
1: Yeah, so that's two two things in the in the metro area. We own our own fleet. So if you're in Colorado Springs, if you're in Denver, if you're in Fort Collins, Boulder, we're able to get you a truck Miami. faster. Right. Well, if <laughs> that's not one of our trucks, but right. they've got them, we have dedicated trucks to get to you, uh, and that's been a big push in the past few years. The other thing is that we now know that. A, About 60% of roadside events don't require a tow. We can get you going, and that's been our focus in shifting the model is, why tow you to a service station? You don't want that. It interrupts your day. We don't want that because it costs us way more. So let's train our technicians to fix cars on the side of the road, which they're able to do now 60% of the time.
0: That's interesting because that's a whole different philosophy from the way it used to be. Right. And then partnering with these random tow trucks who would get there when they get
1: there, if they decide to get there at all. Right. Well, and what's changed is the consumer has a lot more power. So, like, you're going to track our truck. You track your Amazon package, you better believe you're going to track your AAA truck. And that's really motivated us to say we need to get there fastest and the quality of service needs to be top tier. And, by the way, our tow truck drivers need to be mechanics. And you uh, obviously came
0: from the world, you said, of politics. And you do a lot of advocacy work for AAA. You were telling me at one point that you are over at the Capitol a bunch doing legislative stuff where you're advocating for this or that or testifying for this or that. So uh, how many of those were you involved in this year?
1: Uh, I've been down at the Capitol probably one to two days a week. Um, the, traffic safety is our big element, but anything with transportation or transportation regulation, we weigh in on. The reason is our heritage is as an advocacy organization. I mean, we started out because Colorado didn't have paved roads, and, and a bunch of motorists said, "Why we have these cars, we really ought to pave the roads, and that's what we did. And now we have about 700,000 members. It makes us the state's largest membership organization. Not all of our members want me down there saying we need sure, seatbelts, yeah. but but I want to be mindful of that. At the same time, share our research on we know this is the safe way to navigate this kind of intersection, or we know that speed cameras save lives. And, and I'm really there about twice a week as an expert. Speaking of some
0: of that stuff, there were some interesting bills that have come out and some laws now that have come out. And there's still some bills over there. Uh, one of them was this changing of the age of commercial truck drivers from 21 down to 18. And we've talked to truck driver uh, people in this, in, on the show in the past, and they have a really hard time getting drivers and retaining drivers, especially young drivers. And I, uh, obviously this is a law to attract young drivers and, and try to get more people uh, in that industry uh, because there are so many people that are needed in that industry. But you also have now 18- or 19-year-old kids who have presumably just had their driver's license, regular driver's license, for a couple of years, maybe have gone through a few classes, driven a truck a couple of times, now driving a very heavy, large piece of machinery, and in a lot of these cases, up and down mountain roads or winding roads or, or along busy freeways. And that seems to me inherently dangerous, but then, there's the, then you have to outweigh, I guess, uh, you know, the, the, the need for uh, all these workers in that
1: age group. What's interesting is we know from the research that actually right when you're about 18, 19, between 16 and 23, you're much safer of a driver than when you're 23 through 27. I don't know specifically for truckers, but I know just the general population because that's mindful. You've you've just gone through driver's ed. It's, It's in the back of your head. But more broadly, I think that you raise some good concerns and it's something that the trucking industry is going to have to study. Can these drivers be as safe? But we drive across bridges that have joints welded by folks who are fresh out of high school. They you know, took a couple welding classes, and they're building our entire infrastructure. The building we're sitting in now is probably constructed in part by people who were just out of high school and don't have experience building buildings. So we, we rely on infrastructure um, from people in the trades who come straight without a lot of education, and I think this bill reflects that trucking is a good career, and, and and you know, the more that we realize college isn't for everybody and the more that people are turning to the trades, I think the truckers have a, a fair point to say, hey, we should be a trade, too. We should be getting these kids right as they're determining their, their career path. Yeah, because they're really basically right out of high school going into these jobs. And,
0: and the trucking career, especially if you want to be – when you're younger and you go over the road and you start racking up some miles and experience – you are going to be coveted by some of the major trucking companies if you have a bunch of miles under your belt right. when you're young. Um, and, and so I, I, I can see why the trucking companies and, and why they would do this, but there's also that safety factor. Yeah. You, you see the Frank Azar yeah. commercials right. and all the strong arm commercials, yeah. not only here, but around the country that say, you know, you, got, you were hit by a semi truck, they are
1: inherently dangerous, and they might kill you. Right. Call us. You know, and I'm not even comfortable riding with a teen driver. I yeah. don't know how I feel about the semis on our roads. I see it both ways. But the broader thing is, you know, we're probably in the last 20 to 30 years, maybe less, 15 to 20 of the trucking industry. That's all going to be automated. Um, so get in now, but but know that if you're getting in at age 18, by the time you're you know 50, that those jobs might not be around. Yeah, we'll
0: talk about autonomous uh, cars and trucking here in just a little bit. There is also a bill that's still floating around out there uh, that has already been passed in other states, but it would eliminate the use of any mobile electronic device in your car while you're driving. Right now, at least in our state, you can't text and drive. In other words, they say you can't manually input data and then hit send, whether it's a tweet or a Facebook post or a text, but it doesn't say anything in a current law about reading your Facebook posts. Or checking out the tweety, the tweeties, uh, the (laughs) Twitter, the Twitter machine, any of that stuff, right? There's really no law to say that you can't. They they might lump it under distracted driving, but there's no specific written thing about that. This new law, if it was passed, would eliminate that you you could not hold your phone unless you were using it to do the what the even the dial of the uh, of your phone number while it's
1: on the Bluetooth. Right, and I f- think, in fact, you can't hold your phone at all. Your phone would have to be mounted. Um, it would have to be completely mounted. It, it com- this bill, if passed, and I, I think it's probably going to pass given how it's come out of the first chamber, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a handheld phone ban, so there's nothing you can be doing on your phone whether it transmits data or not if, if you're holding it. It means that you might you can dash mount it and, and still interact with it. Uh, listen, the bottom line, I think this is a good bill. AAA is in support of the bill. Um, But the the bottom line is anything you're doing in your vehicle, no matter how you're doing it that's not driving, is completely dangerous, right? So that's sipping a cup of coffee, which I did on my way in here. In that moment I'm taking that sip, I'm distracted, and and the distraction continues. If I'm talking on the phone through my hands-free system that's built into my car, I hang up that phone call, I'm going to be distracted for 27 seconds after the call cognitively. Um, And in that time, I'm not operating at my best. So I like bills like this because they say... Well, we know that this is dangerous to be doing, but really, everything's dangerous. When I hang up with, with my wife, I, I can guarantee that my thoughts about what she's told me last a lot longer than 27 right. seconds. Exactly. <laughs> uh, that's, that's for sure. Yeah, or, or you might be at a light, and an email comes in, and you're like, oh, yeah. my boss. And then you're stressed, and, and that's cognitive distraction for, for a period after. I have a solution to all this that is, would be wildly unpopular. Okay. Uh, but I think we should outlaw the automatic transmission. Uh, and, and, and make everyone drive a manual because we know that when you're driving a manual, you're more invested in what's going on in, in your vehicle. And, and you don't have the temptation to distract yourself with sipping the coffee. It's tough. I drive a manual. Or, or checking your phone or calling someone. You're really engaged in traffic because you know your car's going to stall out if you're not exactly uh, clutching right.
0: But, but then you are you taking away the, the, the best anti-millennial theft device <laughs> there, there is in existence right now. Because they don't
1: know how to drive a stick. Right. So they, they they can't steal your car if it is a manual transmission. I read a story just a couple weeks ago, too. A, that, a thief broke into a car, tried to steal it. Manual. Couldn't get it going. Left the car. Exactly. All they had was a broken window.
0: <laughs> See? It's perfect. Yeah. So your car is going to be safe forever. <laughs> right. But that distracted driving is obviously a real problem. And it's not just... It's not just from the phones, as you said, but that is the major factor. And I, I, can, I can show you all – I mean, drive around the block here for, for three minutes – Right. And you can see people holding up the phone, full-on holding it up, and
1: looking at it, and then they're weaving out of their lane. Right. I can show you my dash cam videos yeah. of this thing. It's all the time. Yeah, and we've done cognitive research on this, so we know that if you're texting, you are up to eight times more likely to get in a crash. Uh, if you're just talking, whether it's hands-free or not, you're up to four times more likely. And we're seeing crash rates on the rise. And by the way, the people who are victims, cars are getting safer, but pedestrians, we're seeing pedestrian and bicyclist fatalities go way up. A large part of that is is people on their phones. Bottom line, it's selfish. It's selfish driving, just like driving drunk is selfish. If you're driving, well, high on cannabis, selfish. Texting and driving is just selfish driving, and, and how would you feel you know, when you're a victim of it? And you, and you raised the point about pedestrians getting
0: hurt and killed, uh, not only from distracted drivers, but then I was at the auto show, and maybe you, you saw this as well, but I noticed even the sedans. I mean, obviously the trucks are big and flat, and and they come up to my armpit, and I'm mm-hmm. a big guy. But the sedans, they actually have more flat fronted cars instead of the pointier cars where you'd be able to roll up on the hood if, let's say, God forbid, you were hit. These are going to hit you in the side, break your ribs, break your hip, and you're going to see more substantial injuries and, and, and deaths just because of the way the cars are made. And my feeling was, looking at these cars, they're, they're probably being designed this way, for eventual autonomous technology mm-hmm. for the sensors and the cameras that are going to be on the front of these cars.
1: Yeah, you know, that reminds me of... Jeep just recently reintroduced the Gladiator, but they used to have the Gladiator truck way back, and and they pulled it off the roads because it had a pointed hood, and it was just really slaughtering everybody it hit. <laughs> and And as we see cars change into yeah. more aerodynamic forms, I mean, this is a real systems design challenge. I was at the auto show the whole time, too, and the other thing I saw when I was walking around is inside the car, you have these giant infotainment systems oh, where yeah, you can like surf right. the web and, 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 then, you know, I went through our research on that. Some of these infotainment systems that are in market today that are on cars today, including on the Tesla are as distracting as balancing your checkbook while driving. So we're kind of sending a weird message where it's, we're saying, don't be on your phone, but by the way, your car is a phone, oh, uh, yeah. and feel free to Google whatever you'd like as long as you're using the car console. Because it's a map, and you
0: have the GPS, and you have your uh, all those uh, entertainment stuff that you said is are
1: in the Tesla, even some video games that Tesla has. Right. Yeah, it makes you think. When are you going to use this? I mean, yeah. if you're using it in traffic, you shouldn't. Uh, and if you're using it at a stoplight, you shouldn't. I mean, the only times to do it is in your driveway, and I'd much rather go in and play my Xbox. Well,
0: and e- even with the kids, because my wife and I have been looking at some used cars, because we have a lease that's coming up, and, and she was looking at this Acura that has that drop-down for the kids in the back, drop-down uh, screen, and it's it's a full-size, like, 16 by 9 screen, and we usually don't let them watch anything in the car anyway, and she goes, well, how great is that? And I, well, it. it you're, we're still listening to it, too. Right. So they see it. We we can't see it because it's just behind our heads, but still we're listening to it. Right. So that's that's a bit of a distraction. Uh, what about the bill? And I know it's shelved, but it was going to change the way the lights change. Right now, they goes from green to yellow to red. And this bill was going to make it go from red to yellow to green. Right. And, and I thought it was an interesting concept, but
1: I don't think people are ready for that sort of thing. So this was one of those best intentions bills, right? And it was really it was it was to inform folks when the light was changing, which is what lights are there for. But the problem is, color psychology is really simple, right? And we're really and humans aren't as smart as we think we are. So we're only smart enough to know green means go, yellow means stop or slow, and red means don't go. You mean yellow means gun it? Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's the problem. And so and so as we looked into the psychology of this, you're exactly right. We're not ready. In fact, we think that at Confusing the yellow, giving it two meanings probably would dramatically increase the crash risk. Now, these were probably low-speed crashes, but uh, but even still, we're just not programmed to, to assign two different meanings. Go or get ready to go and stop or get ready to stop to a single color.
0: Yeah, and, and when I was talking to the bill's uh, sponsor, the guy who, who introduced it at the legislature, we, we both agreed that it, it sounds like it would be better to hold all traffic at a red, at, at say simultaneous reds for all movements, a little longer and then allow the green to pop on and that way it gives
1: everybody time to stop and, and settle in, in the intersection and then move again. Right, and that's what a lot of municipalities, including Denver, are, are doing is they're playing around with their light timing um, it's part of this Vision Zero broad initiative to reduce uh, fatalities but uh, that's exactly right. And, and timing is great. Stopping intersections completely for a little while, that completely eliminates the chance of red light runners slamming into another vehicle. Um, we are all in such a hurry that we get mad at the red light, but the red light exists to save our life. So let's talk about some
0: funding, because there is a bill over in the legislature right now to take general revenue funds uh, from the state and direct them over to the D- Department of Transportation, the department of transportation is woefully underfunded right now so how do we get money to the department of transportation just to keep us at a bait not to get more lanes or to or or to decrease the congestion just to fix the potholes and keep the bridges from falling in i mean we need we might need all that money for that too on top of extra money for infrastructure and lanes and and all the other things that the department needs.
1: Yeah, we have a $9 billion shortfall, I think, at the Department of Transportation for construction projects. It's interesting, and I thought the same thing when the voters rejected th- th- those measures. We're already paying that. We're paying that because I hit a pothole and suddenly I have $800 of damage I have to fix. Or oh, I'm delayed from work because of traffic for an hour, and I've lost that amount of productivity. But
0: if I, uh, just to push back a little bit on that pothole thing, if I hit the pothole and it cost me $800, that doesn't mean I have that $800 to spend than to give to the state so they can fix the potholes.
1: Well, you could have given $3 to the state, and you would have I would have have rather done that. Right, yeah. I think we're we're heading towards a crisis in transportation funding. That's the bad news. Uh, in Colorado that probably was going to turn off some major employers from coming here uh, and and we're going to see impacts on our economy. The good news is car technology is changing so quickly. Automated vehicles are really on the horizon. There's going to be a sea change in how we interact with transportation anyway. So it, it, might not, it might be a blessing that we're not spending $9 billion on these projects that were made for cars in the 90s. And maybe because we have this funding pinch, we're going to be more creative as we look ahead to the car of 2030.
0: Because gas taxes are going to change, and congestion pricing is out there. They're already going to start it in New York City uh, by the end of next year. What, what is, I guess, yours or, or AAA's feeling on, on
1: congestion taxing and pricing? We like it as a, as a medium step, but what we really want is is basically a, a vehicle's mile-traveled user fee. So you would get a, a bill at the end of every month for the number of miles you drove on every road, right? So your car actually would transmit its odometer data to whatever state agency is charged with charging you for use of the roads. That would include if you're an electric vehicle or if you're in a gas-powered or even if you're a bicyclist because we're all using that infrastructure. That's the fix that makes the most sense and it's the most equitable um, I, no state wants to go there yet because there's privacy concerns, even though we're all sharing our data with Facebook all the time anyway, people are uneasy about sharing it with the state government. How do
0: you collect miles ridden on a
1: bicyclist? Yeah, it's well, we all have supercomputers in our pockets. Don't you right? think there would be a huge uh, pushback on that? Yeah, I, th- I think so. And frankly, cyclists aren't really taxing our infrastructure yet, but electric cars are, oh, for sure. example. Oh, um, and. and And the gas tax is no longer an efficient way to fund anything because cars are so efficient. Um, So the amount of damage you're doing to the infrastructure no longer tracks with the amount you've driven. It's a challenge. We're all okay having these supercomputers in our pocket, though. I mean, anything's possible. I I love the idea of having staggered start times for work.
0: Yeah. No, we've advocated for that because most people, they operate on a kid's schedule. Because they have kids in school. Whatever time the school starts and whatever time the school's over, that's basically dictating when they are going to work and when they're coming home from work. Uh, at least a, one of the parents. If it's a single mom, then it's a lot. Or, or single dad, then it's a lot more challenging. But that would have to change too, because that's how people
1: are always going right. to set their schedule based on their kids. Yeah, and that's why we have congestion choke points. Uh, we now have the technology to be more specific in how we live our lives, but we're not doing it yet. And I think it's going to take a long time for schools to have staggered start times or for my company to recognize I don't have any kids, so maybe it's okay for me to work from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. as opposed to you know 8 to 5. Right. Um, it needs to be a cultural conversation. Traffic drives that, which is interesting as much as we all hate traffic. And speaking of traffic, we just touched
0: a little bit on the autonomous stuff. I was reading a lot about uh, 5G technology, and and I saw some of the 5G... Uh, infrastructure going in down at Highlands Ranch. And because somebody was asking me about 5G and, 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 you know, those big towers, those big towers right now where we have the 4G stuff, you're not going to see those anymore. You're going to see these little boxes that are on the side of the highway, maybe a little, they they look basically like a giant or not even a giant, like a medium-sized computer screen. Mm -hmm. And that's all you really need for this receiver transmitter, and it could sit on top of a light pole. Right. And you can have them outside of your house. I mean, that's what you're you, – because the, the technology, the 5G technology, is is about 10 times faster than what you have in your house right now at the highest speeds. Right. Because I have that whatever 100-gigabyte deal at my house, and and this is just way faster than that. Now, the phones can't handle it. We, I mean, the infrastructure is not quite there yet with our phones and, and, and with these receivers and transmitters, but that's coming. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because that's going to lead to autonomous technology for
1: cars that is actually in real time. Yeah. Because the latency is so short. Right. And that's what's going to transform the automated vehicle. Here's a, a good example. In Colorado, we have a bunch of weather. We've got maybe another bomb cyclone on the way. My car's cameras, those are really what are the core of autonomous right. sensing right now is cameras and, and other technology. If everything has a microchip and is able to just con- convey data immediately, your car doesn't need a camera to determine, oh, what color is that light? The light's talking to your car. Uh, even now, in Lakewood, they're rolling out. Uh, some cars have a technology so you can hit every green. Your car will tell you how fast you need to drive to completely green gate through. It's, it's, everything's going to be talking to everything, including cars to cars. So if there's traffic up ahead... The car way up there, two miles ahead, is going to signal to all the cars back there's traffic. And we can mitigate the slowdown early so it prevents choke-ups.
0: Exactly. And I also saw that in this perfect technology with the 5G, you could actually have intersections with no traffic lights. Because the cars are all talking to each other, you could have one car go across from you and you are going basically right behind the other one going the opposite direction or or perpendicular, and and, and there's cars zipping through these interchanges without stopping because humans make mistakes more than these computers will make mistakes. Now, I'm sure they'll make mistakes, but less often than humans will.
1: Right, and imagine how close the cars can go together in traffic. Cars can basically be touching as if they were train cars because they're all communicating. There's not going to be somebody slamming on their brakes because that's completely preventable because everything is a data point. And th- th- you, we're not going to be driving them. Right. The computer
0: in the car is going to be handling all that stuff, so we're just sitting in there oblivious to how
1: close we are to the next guy. Right. So the only, the only thing I'm scared of is uh, hackers, uh, right? So, right, sure. But, but other than that, yeah, you're exactly right. Taking human error out of, out of traffic does wonders for traffic
0: and, safety. And I've always talked about the gap. You don't, you, if you break the gap which is that space in between cars right now on a highway or roadway anywhere. You break the gap, and that's how you're going to have more congestion down behind it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you can maintain that gap, it doesn't matter if you're going five or 500 miles an hour. As long as you keep that gap there, you you can flow a lot of traffic. Right. um, Especially at higher speeds. But it's just people are,
1: well, skittish creatures. Yep. And yeah or they're looking at their phone and then they slam on the brakes when they don't have to or or they're just not being they're not being thoughtful drivers and I was thinking about this and my my
0: daughter and I were talking and she's my oldest daughter is 10 and I was thinking I said y- you know you probably you're gonna you're gonna drive you're gonna learn how to drive and get a driver's license and and have a car and because she was talking about can I have this car daddy when when you're when I turn 16 and I said y- you probably will you'll probably be able to have this car but your kids probably won't mm hmm and that that's revolutionary. My, my kids, my kids right now, could be some of the last drivers. Right.
1: Ever. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Except maybe in rural areas. <laughs> right. And you know what's so interesting is there's a liberty question here. Because for this to really work and for the efficiencies that you're talking about to kick in, everybody needs an automated vehicle. Um, I I can't stand the idea of having a self-driving car. And I'm probably old enough where I won't be forced to. But, yeah, your kids' kids will probably be legislated into into – saying you have to have an autonomous vehicle. Well, I was
0: reading this from, I think it was from Samsung or some other company, where they where they were speculating that you actually won't own the vehicle. Mm-hmm. What will happen is there's going to be a service, an Uber, a Lyft-type service like that, but there won't be anybody in that car. It'll be a rental car service. Let's So let's say Hertz has a rental car service, autonomous technology. So let's say I need to go from home to the grocery store and back. So they I, I'll get on my app and i'll say i need to go to the grocery store in 5 minutes. They send the car, autonomous car to me, i get in, it drives me to the grocery store. It goes does something else and then i coming out of the grocery store, hit the app and it picks some other car picks me up. Mm-hmm. Probably the cheapest option, you know, a little small car whatever whatever the cheapest option i could get, kind of like you can with Uber right now, the Uber XL right. or whatever it is. Um let's say i need to go to Home Depot and i need to pick up some lumber or pick up a whatever well, then they'll send the pickup truck, mm-hmm. and then I'll get in the pickup truck, and I'll go down to Home Depot, and then it might wait for me because there aren't maybe that many pickup trucks, and then it will take me home. Right. Or let's say it's a Friday night, and my wife and I want to go out on a date, and uh, let's say we want to, it's a nice spring day, night, and I, we want to rent the convertible. Boom. Hit it on the app, it costs a little bit more, but then they send a convertible, and off we go, and then takes us to the show, drop us off, and another car will come pick us up and take us home. So I see that as more than we personally owning an autonomous car that sits in my garage or takes me to work and then comes back home. That is, is going to be a subscription service that I could see happening in the next 40 or 50
1: years. Yeah, or or maybe even less. I mean, it could be as little as, as 20 to 30. But I, I think you're right. And Volvo's saying the same kind of thing. They think the future of their car companies and subscription cars. Um, and Volvo's a, a major auto manufacturer. So uh, it terrifies me because I love my car. It's part right. of my identity. I love driving. But at the same time, change is good. But what are we going to do? Because I've always wanted to own a 1961 uh, Corvette. You can still own
0: it, you just can't drive it. <laughs> <laughs> Cuz that'll be the that'll be the trick. If I have a classic car or if I'm in a rural area, maybe I need to drive because the technology's not out there in the Great Plains. I guess there'll be a point somewhere where you can't mix the you drive cars in the rural spots with the, you know, with the computer cars in the more urban spots.
1: Yeah, or what will have to happen is if you have a car where that still requires a driver, they might just deck it out with sensors. So that, you know, there's a sensor in your clutch pedal, there's a sensor in your gas pedal. So even as a human's operating the vehicle, it still transmits all the data to the automated grid. It's crazy. This is a brave new world. The technologies that are really going to define it, we can't even comprehend yet. Um, A lot of them will come with 5G. We see early kind of glimmers of, you know, uh, advanced driver assistance systems with lane departure warning. That's just the, the foundation. It's like looking at a giant... You know, condo uh, construction project, and you just see them starting to pour concrete. that's the tech we have today, but the the really fancy stuff we can't even imagine yet, yeah, and because
0: and, uh, I was reading, and I think it was a triple A stat that somewhere around seventy percent of people are still leery of getting into a self-driving car. I'm sure that will change over time as people get more used to it, but that that's a lot of people. And I think that's not just here. I think
1: it's worldwide, yeah, yeah, that's right. and and part of it's because, It's evolving in a very public way. So when something bad happens, which it will, there's going to be bad things that happen as part of the development of the self-driving car. It's instantly in the news. It's in the news for days, and everybody's terrified. Well, there's
0: bad things that happen with people driving cars. Right. (laughs) I mean, we just had another pedestrian death down in in Aurora. There were these uh, two kids, 11-year-old kids, in their neighborhood who are riding their bikes or walking, and and somebody drives on the sidewalk and hits them. Maybe it'll eliminate some of that, but there'll still be some... Uh, I guess, learning curves to deal with when we get to that point.
1: And anybody listening to this should know that, yeah, I I completely understand why we should be skeptical of this. I'm skeptical of self-driving. I've ridden on a few, and every time I've engaged with one, I'm like, oh, this is definitely going to be safer than drivers, because you eliminate human error, and 97% of crashes of any kind involve human error. Um, there are only 3% of accidents that are actually accidents. Everything else is a crash and someone's at fault.
0: Right. And and you know my uh, our little uh, spiel about accidents versus crashes, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where one is, you never know intent. So I can't right. call it an accident on TV. I have to call it a crash or a wreck because I don't know if somebody did that on purpose. Right. <laughs> so yeah. you never know. Let's switch topics to the zipper merge. Last night, uh, we had a 360 report, which is our in-depth reporting. Uh, from uh, Russell Haythorn. He interviewed me about zipper merging and merging in general. And for a long time, I've been talking not only on this show, but on Facebook Lives, and I've done stories that I've posted on the, uh, uh, everywhere about the zipper merge. And it is so frustrating that, that people still don't either know what it is, know how to do it, care to do it. it it's really, really frustrating. Uh, there, were, there were a lot of comments that came in after that story. I want to read one for you here. <laughs> it says... Dear Mr. Luber, you are not right that a person should just race up in in front of every other driver and crowd into the other people's waiting their turn lane. You just say that so you can do it and feel like you're not doing anything wrong. It's wrong and not nice. Typical of the Denver attitude about the world. Stop making excuses for rude and selfish behavior. Sincerely, Stan May. So... Being the guy I am, I wrote Stan back and I explained the zipper merge. And, and I, I said, Stan, you, you need to be able to do this. This is how it works. And here's a story about it. And uh, if, if everybody gets along and, and, and agrees to do it, then it, it'll be great. Well, Stan decided to write me back and send me another couple of choice phrases in another great gem of an email. And it reads, Most of the time, it's three to four lanes and a big mess at the merging point. I have several degrees in math, chemistry, physics, and other sciences. I believe this would be only better in a few isolated conditions. For a guy as highly educated as he says he is, he's basically uh, saying the functionality of the zipper merge is uh, not based on science, but based on belief. Right. But it is based on science. We've seen it work. All right, Stan continues. The choking point has to come to a complete stop to let this guy in ahead of the rest of us. I do not care what you or anybody else says. This would not work in real life. It is just a feel-good theory for the guy not wanting to wait his turn. I have heard a lot about this theory, but I'm sure it would not work and never will. That guy just gets through the traffic jam ahead of me after I have waited a long time. Stan.
1: And that's Dr. Stan. Dr. Uh, yeah. Stan, you're right. Uh, you know, and I think that's so interesting. I think you guys deserve a Pulitzer and public service reporting for covering the zipper merge because Thank you're you. right. If we all just did it, everything would be fluid and fine. What we know in science, uh, as, and it's ironic that he claims to have these degrees, um, having predictability in human behavior solves a lot of conflicts in human behavior. If we can all reasonably predict how another reasonable person is going to behave, everything flows much more smoothly. As, as crazy as it sounds, the reasonable behavior is everybody doing the same thing, which is merging when all of the traffic indicators tell you to merge and not a minute before. The thing I agree uh, with Stan about, in, in, in his little diatribe here,
0: is that it won't ever work. It will <laughs> never, ever, ever work. And it's not because the method is flawed, but everybody needs to agree to do the zipper merge. And everybody needs to be on board, and if there's one person in the line who won't let somebody over because Stan doesn't believe it's working or believes that somebody is cutting in front of him, then it will not work. That is the key right there you have to you know what it's almost like you have to go to the golden rule of merging uh, do merge unto others <laughs> as as you would have others merge. Unto you. Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, basically we have to go biblical here. (laughs) And if we don't, we're never going to get along. On parts of I-25, I do pray whenever I merge. Yeah, I think that's that's (laughs) a good way to do it. There's a bridge project on I-74 in Iowa right now, and they've had so many problems going from two lanes to one that they've had congestion for weeks and weeks. And so now they're trying to promote zipper merge, and they have now signs placed up along that I-74 bridge project encouraging the zipper merge, trying to teach people how to do it. It is starting to work a little bit, Mm -hmm. but you have to sign the tar out of it to get people to recognize it, and maybe that's what we have to do here. CDOT at one point did do an educational campaign. They were, at some construction zones, putting up signs, merge point
1: here. Mm -hmm. You've seen some of those signs, but maybe it needs to be more widespread. Probably we just need a culture change when it comes to driving, and it's, it's again, that idea we're all pretty selfish. I need to get to where I'm yes, going faster right. than anybody. One of my favorite sayings is that I can't be mad at traffic. I am traffic, right? And, and that's the case with all of this, that where you're going is as important to you as everybody else. Nobody nobody needs to be selfish enough that they're you know speeding ahead of other traffic in that merge lane because that's frustrating for somebody who's waiting in traffic. At the same time, let the car in. We just all need to realize... None of us matter more than anybody else in traffic does. No, You'll never convince anybody <laughs> of that, <laughs> right. Skyler, well, honestly. Luckily, the robots are coming, so the uh, <laughs> <Bell> Zipper <laughs> Merge is great. Right,
0: exactly, and maybe that's how this all gets solved, just yeah. because the robots are coming, um, because a lot of people were saying you you need to have the states educate people. Well, in California, they don't believe in the Zipper Merge. Mm-hmm. California still is on the Merge Early bandwagon because they see so many other crashes rear end crashes and side swipe crashes somebody asked about a sideswipe crash who would be at fault and my, my belief I, I I'm pretty sure on this it's the person who uh, is trying to merge into the through lane Wh- whichever lane is open mm-hmm. that person has the right of way and the other person has to yield to the the person with the closed lane has to yield to the right. other lane um, and so that person would be then, Uh, But you know
1: what? It they're both at fault because they're both jerks. Right, they're they're both jerks. That's exactly right. This is the solution to everything: to crashes, to road rage, to traffic. If we were all just a little bit kinder and a little bit less stressed when driving, ninety percent of these problems would go away. I love driving. I'm never, I'm never angry when I'm on the road because it's the coolest thing I do with my day. Um, But most people, it's just a chore, and and so. their behavior reflects that. Come on, Rodney King. Can't we all get along? <laughs> right. Right. Uh, somebody said that
0: it, the, the left lane jerks that won't let people in, they are the real problem. Uh, one other comment that, I, and I have to respond to all these people. Uh, one You're other mad person, at the people. Yes, <laughs> I am. One other person said that maybe we should just eliminate all merging altogether, <laughs> and therefore we won't have to deal with it.
1: Well, how do I get on and off a highway?
0: Well, it doesn't yeah. matter. It <laughs> doesn't matter. Because if you eliminate the problem, if you eliminate the, uh, the, the, the I, I guess, the interaction with another driver, you eliminate the issue. Right. He'll love the autonomous vehicles. Uh, then somebody said, make it a law, have one of the legislatures over there, uh, in- introduce it as a bill, create a law, and then enforce it. Who? Yeah. Yeah, who's going to enforce it? Because we don't have enough cops to enforce uh, what the laws we already have. And so cops are just going to sit at a merger lane? You know how many merger
1: lanes there are in Colorado? And then how are they going to pull everybody
0: over, and then they're going to cause a bigger traffic jam by (laughs) writing tickets, right? Right. Because then somebody else was saying they do this in in Poland, I think he he said, or somewhere in Europe, I think it was Poland, And, and they have signs saying this is how you do the merge, and they enforce it, I guess, a lot, and maybe they have the police force to do that in Poland. But we don't
1: have that here. Poland's also much smaller with a lot fewer highway miles. We're a car culture and a car nation, and we're huge. Yes, we most certainly are. So, But I, I think we
0: should start with signs. Yeah. I think signs would be a good first step, and then we can move on from from
1: there and see if we can get everybody to get along. Yeah, and you're reporting, by the way, that article on uh, that that you guys posted to your website on the zipper merch. It's going viral. Yeah, I've, I've seen it shared like 50 times. People feel strongly about this. That's where you start is is creating a new normal. Yeah, they do feel strongly, and I'm
0: still <laughs> getting emails about it constantly. Here, uh, let's talk gas prices. They have risen quite a lot recently over the past couple of months. They've jumped what 50 cents about in the last couple in the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. It's uh, so. I guess
1: I'll ask you what 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 gives. What what's what's the deal here? Don't panic. When we see gas prices going up, it's typically an indicator of a strong economy. So there's a bunch of factors at play here. The the reason that we're seeing actually barrel prices of of petroleum go up is because people are optimistic that the trade conflict with China will come to an end soon. So that's a good economic indicator. But broadly. Gas prices always go up this kind of time of year. It was always going to happen. We had really low gas prices, and now the market's just catching up uh, to, to where it should have been. Um, the other thing, too, that was a surprise that we didn't forecast is that a lot more refinery maintenance was going on right now than we had anticipated. So a lot of refineries went offline, and that, of course, reduces supply, and that drives the price up. But really, if we're looking from where we were this time last year, we're up three cents. So while we're up you know, $0.30 cents from last month, we're up $0.06 cents on the week, and we're going to keep seeing that trend, we're still tracking with the trend lines for where gas would be at this time of year. Nothing abnormal is going on. You shouldn't panic and say, oh, we're going to have $4 gas. It's not going to happen. And don't
0: go out and, and freak out because you want to buy that Suburban. Right. That only gets about eight miles a gallon. Yeah. Or the Lamborghini, right? Because you were in the market for a Lamborghini, right? Oh, yeah.
1: You know, at AAA, we all drive Lamborghinis. (laughs) That's your membership dollars at work if you're a AAA member. (laughs) Perfect.
0: You know, and I got this uh, press release from Gas Buddy today, in fact, and it was talking about the best and worst days to buy gasoline, and they say the best day to buy gas is on Monday. They say that's the lowest price on average for most of the states. And they say the worst day is Friday, where it's the most expensive day to fill up. Well, that makes sense because people are going out on Friday and driving a lot more, and then they have to go to work on Monday, so maybe you just wait to Monday to fill up, which I thought was pretty interesting.
1: The other thing, too, is you see ripples come from the, again, uh, where petroleum trades on the markets and closing, you know, the, the, it, it closes on Fridays. So, you know, and it typically closes higher at the end of the week than it does at the beginning of the week. This is just a quirk in, in the petroleum market. So that also factors in. But when, when you see studies like this, we're talking about fractions of a cent typically or yeah. maybe a penny. So your total savings is going to be maybe 15 to 20 cents um, variance week to week on this. Everybody wants the the way to find the cheapest gas possible, but the the range between the cheapest and the most expensive if you're in the same city is usually five cents uh
0: you know it, you're right, and there are times where I'll see people they I have to go get the cheapest and they'll drive farther to go get cheaper gas and waste that gas on on going that distance right. than, than just than paying twenty more cents right it's, yeah, it's ridiculous
1: if you're buying at the airport that's that's expensive gas right. You know what's so funny, though, is I know this deep down. I spent a lot of time, as we talked about, thinking about gas prices, which is something I never would have thought. I did the other day fill up for something that I knew was 20 cents more than it should have been. Boy, I was steaming about that for at least an hour. Like, I can't believe I did that to myself. I I can't believe I fell for it. The number one piece of advice I have to get cheap gas is always fill up at half a tank. That way you're never pressured to get the cheapest gas or, or the most expensive gas just because it's closest, I should say. right? So if you've always got gas in the tank, you'll always have time to kind of gauge what gas costs around you, and then you can find the cheapest uh, dri- uh, gas on your drive. And, you know, I was I was also thinking about some of the gas price stuff. And
0: you were talking where well, I just lost my train of thought. I was just thinking about something, and I know I completely lost my train of thought.
1: Well, <laughs> that Athens, but that happens yeah. to me. Yeah, that happens trains run on coal, not gas. But yeah. Uh,
0: it, so anyway, I'll just move on. Uh, so I, I was going to talk about <laughs> another thing about insurance because AAA is an is an insurance sale, uh, seller too, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, we're brokerage, so we sell AAA insurance, but also we sell Progressive, we sell Safeco, we sell you name it. We we probably have a, a product.
0: So I saw this from Wallet Hub that came in, and they have at least ranked. car insurance companies and some of the cheapest in all the different states. Now, because they're sending it to me, they know I'm here in Colorado, so they say that the Colorado's rank for the cheap car insurance is at 27, so right there in the middle, and they say the top 10 cheap car insurance companies in Colorado, the number one is Cincinnati Insurance. What is the Cincinnati Insurance?
1: That's just a guy in Cincinnati. Yeah, it's one guy. His name's Frank. He'll loan you some money if you crash. Never heard of it. right. (laughs) Never never heard heard of of it. And, and And how would that come up if if it's really probably not that widely used it's probably they're just culling data and and some a few people have cincinnati insurance and their rates happen to be lower but they're in an odd risk pool or their cincinnati insurance might in in fact be a really expensive product that only insures really 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 good drivers yeah maybe And, and so they're paying low premium and then number two was
0: response insurance again never heard of them number three owner's insurance yeah. I uh, never heard of them. Uh, number four, CSAA. That's us. That's AAA. There you go. Yep. So you're number four. Yep. There you go. You're on the fourth in the list. Uh, number five, Privilege Underwriters. Never heard of them. Number six, USAA. Oh, we've heard of them. Yep. They are for the uh, military, for the most part, for active and uh, former military. Uh, seven, Auto Owners. We've heard of them, yes. Eight, Nationwide. Number nine, Garrison. No? No clue? It's all clicks and pops over there for right. you. Uh, number 10, IDS,
1: property casualty, casualty insurance. I've heard of IDS. They're, they're a bigger player. But um, you know what's interesting about that list you read is that there's typically there's... If you're paying... The cheapest insurance companies either are really, really awful products that won't cover anything that you need or, as I mentioned, they're really highly selective insurers. So once you're in their pool, they know you're such a low risk, your premiums are pretty low. And the, how they make their money is that you're pretty well off, and you own a boat, and you own an RV, and you have a big house, and you have a car, and you've never made a claim, you're really cheap to insure. So the general rule of insurance is just do your homework. It's very possible. Cincinnati might be a great insurer that will cover anything that happens to you, and you'll pay a great rate, but you you have to do your homework. And uh, if you see a TV ad for it with a 1-800 number uh, <laughs> and an animated uh, spokesperson, uh, maybe look into it, because... The way you save money on insurance is somebody who's actually like walking through your life and saying, Oh, I can get you this discount, versus you click a, a web form and, you know, someone sells you. So a talking, walking gecko yeah. is better <laughs> than Cincinnati Insurance, you're telling me.
0: Uh, well, or Fred, it, it, Loyola, it, right. Fred Loyola Insurance, whatever that
1: one is. The General has Shaq now, and we all love oh, Shaq. Oh, yeah, the General. So, yeah. Right. There you um, go. It, it's one of those areas where you have to do your homework. And insurance is an oddly specific product. People think, oh, uh, everybody has insurance. I'll just get what everybody has. The more you tailor it to yourself, the, the the better it'll be. I guarantee you that some of those people who have IDS probably love their insurance because they spent several hours walking through the discounts they were eligible for with an agent, um, versus somebody who just went to, you know, a website, click the box, printed off the form, they're good to go. That's me, right? Insurance. <laughs>
0: yeah. I went to insurance, and and I did. I clicked the boxes, and uh, but I know what I what I need and how how much coverage I want, and. They still, my rates are better than bundling it with my homeowners insurance, even with some of the other bigger companies. Wow. I, I've tried to have, because I, I have uh, this place called Compass Insurance down in the, uh, I guess they're somewhere in the Highlands Ranch. Mm-hmm. And they shop around for my homeowners insurance and, the, and they found my, and they wanted to bundle. But they still couldn't beat my auto rate for right now, right? With
1: insurance, yeah, that's and that's great for you. That's I mean, so you're you're doing exactly what everybody needs to do. Is is you will always get the best rate if you put in a little homework and do the searching. There is always a way for you to get a better rate, uh, and if there's not, it means you're exactly where you should be.
0: Now, there's what three hundred and something million people in this country, right? One of their key findings in this Wallet Hub story. 54 million Americans say they don't understand their car insurance. Right. That does not surprise me. 54 million. Right. That's uh, probably half of the drivers. Yeah. Or at least a third of the
1: drivers. And the insurance companies don't make it easy for you to understand it, right? It's not, you know. Well, they don't want you to. They just right. want your check. Right. They want And they don't want you to make a claim, typically. I mean, some of the less reputable insurers will try to dissuade you from making a claim um, because that's what costs them money.
0: And then they say 75% of drivers say they want the best car insurance, not necessarily the cheapest coverage.
1: Well, duh. Yeah. Don't you? Right. I mean, doesn't everybody want that? Make sure that you're covered? Right. Well, although you'd be surprised that some people just want, they're only getting insurance because the law tells them they need it, so they're only getting, you know, collision, and then...
0: Well, and then there's people around here that don't even get that. And they don't register their car. They don't right. have the insurance, and so they're driving around with expired plates and, uh, and their uh, tags. And Crayola driver licenses. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Placing their photo on it. Uh, they say 71% of people say it's unfair for genders to be a factor in the car insurance pricing. But men are way worse drivers. Right. On average. Yeah. I mean, we are more aggressive. We tailgate. We, we do
1: uh, those risky things that women typically don't do. Yeah, when it comes to... Car insurance, being male, is a pre-existing condition that places you yeah, at much higher sure risk. Um, yeah, I see why people are frustrated about that, but the way that, that, just like it costs more to insure your home if you live in a floodplain, right, it's it's all about risk. Yeah, uh, and so I
0: thought that was that was pretty interesting interesting stuff. Um, infrastructure. How are we going to pay for it nationwide? How, how, what's the best way for us to cover all that stuff nationwide?
1: You know, I will probably be the only guest on your show to say this, but I I think that we are probably looking at another recession sometime soon, maybe even depression levels of, of sh- economic shrinkage and something... Like 20, 2008 thousand eight seven th- levels? I, I, I think maybe even worse. Really? That, that was only a 2% shrinkage. I think some economists are saying we could see a 15% contraction in the global economy in the next 10 to 20 years. Not every economist is saying this, but there are some. I think if that happens, the way America gets out of that is... Major, massive investment in our infrastructure nationwide because nearly every state has a backlog. But if we're looking in the short term about what, there needs to be funding, but I would love to see policymakers step up and say, we need to come up with a better way to fund this. Technology has changed Everything in every other sphere of life, but we still rely on the gas tax. We still have weird federal allocations based off your safety records. The car has changed dramatically. Yeah, there's still four wheels, just like, you know, in 1902, right? But everything else has changed so much. And and the way we fund our roads hasn't changed at all. So in the short term, I want to see vision from policymakers that look at new ways to fund the highways of the future, including equipping them with 5G transponders. Yeah. And in the long term, I think when the economy begins to contract again, There's great potential for us to do what China's done and why China's become such a growth leader is that they've invested billions in infrastructure. We can do the same thing. and It's not
0: just infrastructure for roads, but it's also, I think, walking and biking and and the trains. For some reason, people love to be on trains instead of buses. I'd rather be on a train than a bus for whatever reason. But the buses are so much more efficient uh, than the trains
1: at a lower cost. Right. Yeah, and actually, I'm seeing some leadership from Colorado on this, too, where there's that new bus stop they're proposing that's a highway bus stop on I-25 that, that shaves off 20 minutes of getting the bus off the highway. to drop it. There, There's innovations you can make in roadway design. Um, we need to see it. There's also this emerging new urbanism um, because people are moving back into the cities. How's that going to impact infrastructure? Maybe there's fewer people who own a car. Maybe we should be building cities where you don't need a car. I mean, these are all conversations we can be having. I don't think we've realized how much the smartphone has changed everything. We realize it in certain areas, like communication, but it's, it's also changing everything in transportation. It's just taken a little longer. Yeah,
0: and it, it's interesting how you brought up the whole urbanism thing, and it makes more sense to have some type of transit inside these more urban areas where you have highly densely populated places. New York City, Denver. Atlanta. I mean, you have some downtown areas mm-hmm. that are more highly congested. Los Angeles is more spread out. Uh, we also have folks that, like me, want to have a house with a little yard and maybe some open space. So, some people like me, I want to live out there. I, I want, and and right now there isn't any transit, nor er, never will be transit right. out there to those areas where I want to live. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people want to live in in the places that maybe you can't get to easily with transit. Uh, whether it's up in the mountains. So they, I think there has to be a balance between the two. And, and you have to, the transit people, I think, have to at least hear out the people that don't want to have the transit. Hey, it's it's okay that you don't.
1: Not everybody wants it. We want everybody to have it, but, they, they, but they'll but they never concede that. Right. Well, and and the other thing too is that it's, it's I don't think you can just build a train everywhere and it's going to work, right? That's not the solution. Increasing busing is not going to work. You need to create demand for these services. I think that what we can do for the folks who want to live in the mountains or who want to live with, a place with a yard. There's just those are places where you leave during the day and you drive to the city center and then you come back at night. But we can rethink about like, well, we could have a corporate campus here that blends into a suburban environment and 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 San Francisco and the Bay Area does right. this really well. We we don't do a good job in Denver. We kind of separate the suburbs from the city core, but more and more employers can decide to relocate to where their employees are and and I think you'd love it if if the Denver 7 studio was 10 minutes from your house. Oh, sure. Um, but but there's there's no reason that there can't be thinking in that in that way. Oh, it'd be even better if they put a green screen in my basement, and I could just do my work right there in my jammies. Right, and you know what? But- <laughs> that's another five G possibility. Yeah. I, you know, I'd, I'd rather you keep wearing the suit and tie, frankly, <laughs> okay, as a you. viewer. Um, but but that's another area where technology and and when we're talking about lightning fast internet, maybe we're not commuting anymore. Right, and and I think that's going to be part of it. Like you said, that takes off
0: a lot of cars from the roadways, and everything changes. Really, in, in 20 years, everything can change. Yeah. It's going to be dramatically different. Uh, I know you You sent me something about, it, it was interesting, you said there's a difference between European and American headlights.
1: Yeah, so you're in Europe, they have something that's legal there that's not legal here, and that's automated high beams. Um, so if it, the conditions require high beams, your car knows, I'm going to flip the high beams on, and they're on until I, I don't need them anymore, or until there's uncommon traffic that they might blind, or or they just don't need to be on. That's not allowed in the United States. Our federal regulators haven't allowed it. But what we know is that our roads are, are, really have 5% of the illumination that European roads do in dark corridors because of this, that we are just not, we're not up to speed on, on how our roads should be illuminated. Combine that with the fact that headlights degrade and, and Americans don't use their brights. Most Americans are afraid or don't know when to use their brights. We just have dark roadways. And, uh, and w- what we're trying to figure out is what that does to the crash rate, is having darker roads than Europe. Toothpaste.
0: Right. You need toothpaste on the,
1: <laughs> on the uh, on the light, and then you scrub it in there. Yep. And then you wipe it off, and, and it makes it brand new. So you know what's so funny? I had always heard that, <laughs> and uh, and it, it turns out we did research on it. It does work. Yeah. I, uh, but it, it doesn't work as long as you know buying one of those polish kits and and uh, and doing it. You know and sanding. What, what it. brand? What brand did you use? Crest, Colgate? Yeah, right. No, I. Uh, Which I, one? I, uh, I, what did I use? <laughs> my My uncle was a dentist, and I think he always gave us Crest. I never paid for toothpaste when I was a kid. Perfect. Yeah, and I'm sure I used Crest on my back when I was driving a Prius. And paste or gel? Yeah, <laughs> it was a paste. Okay. Yeah. That's better than the
0: gel. Nobody likes the gel. No, no. I mean, why would anybody it. want... Yeah, right. that, yeah, the gel is horrible. <laughs> what was that one, that gel one with the different flavors in it or the different colors? What was that?
1: It was, oh, goodness. That was... I can't remember. This is I didn't do my homework on toothpaste when I was coming on the <laughs> automotive podcast. No, yet. you, j- you should have though. When I, I did have, the because- dental podcast, they did ask me about motor oil though, so I guess it makes sense. You never know what you're going to talk yeah. about here <laughs> on the world famous driving
0: you crazy podcast. Uh, well, before we wrap it up here, Skyler, Skyler McKinley, again uh, joining us here on the podcast, uh, we we have to mention that it's Work Zone Awareness Month um, or week, I guess it is, or is it month? It's Work Zone Awareness Week, but uh,
1: it, you know it, it's broadly it's something you should be aware of all the time right
0: yeah, and it, tomorrow officially well, I guess today because this is gonna be on a Wednesday that you he- are hearing this or maybe uh, later in the week anyway it's uh it, the Wednesday was the wear orange day so I was wearing orange for the Wednesday uh, for the for the work zone safety awareness week and you you're right it, you just gotta pay attention when you're in those work zones because there's people out there that are putting their life really at risk because they are just trying to do their job, want to go home to, every, to their family, just like you do. Right. Um, but they are in a more precarious situation,
1: especially on the highways. Yeah, and I hear people say that, uh, oh, well, you know, they know it's dangerous. They know the risks when they're out there working to keep our roads safe. It doesn't have to be dangerous. Being a highway safety worker could be one of the safest jobs in the whole world if people were mindful of it. Right? Same with my tow truck drivers. They're out changing a flat tire on the highway. People say, well, they know it's dangerous when they're doing that. It doesn't have to be. There's nothing inherently dangerous about working on a highway except for drivers uh, and and driver behavior, which is completely changeable. So it is work, it's Works on Awareness Week, but now's a good time to remember it's the law to slow down or move over if you see something happening in the shoulder. It's the law. You can be ticketed if you don't, right? Um, and that the folks who are there working the shoulder, imagine if you had a highway that zipped right past your head when you were in your office. Uh, you'd be you'd be terrified. It, it's yep. scary work and they do it as a public service.
0: I'd be remiss, Skyler, uh, to let you go without asking
1: you what's driving you crazy. So I'm glad we talked about the zipper merge. I have an opposite pet peeve. okay, It's when a solid becomes a dotted. So there's a no there's a no change lane zone that becomes a change lane zone, and people will change over the solid. Right we you, you've got to wait, you've got to wait until it begins to <laughs> dot. and if we all just did that, it would make that a lot safer. But I have one on my daily commute to the office. There's a solid line that becomes a dotted, and people are crossing over while it's solid, meaning I don't know when it's safe for me to come in. I don't know once I'm in the lane if I'm safe. So this is my plea to your listeners <laughs> that as as much as we worry about zippering in, also, if there's a solid white line that becomes a dotted line. Wait until it's dotted, and we'll all get to work safely. No. No, <laughs> we can't, we're just too impatient. Right. It's not yeah. going to happen. Yeah, exactly. its They
0: the- are more important and busier than you, Skyler. So they need to be in that lane, which we're all going to get into eventually. No, yeah. they're going to get in there first. Right. It's its so funny. I get on here at I-25 in university because I'm going south, and I can see people on the highway. They're not going to let me in. I know it. And so I let them go flat because they're they are not going to let me in. They're not going to let me merge. So I, I slow down, let them go past me. I pull in behind them and then go into the next lane to their left. Yep. And so then I'm zooming past. Them. Right. So now I've left them behind. Right. They are still now behind me. They have not gotten in front of me, yeah. even though that was their intention. They didn't want anybody
1: to get ahead of them, but now they are behind me anyway. So there, my You know th- you what know, my theory is about driving? Uh, 90% of drivers really have no idea what's going on around them, <laughs> right. but they feel wronged yes. 95% of the time. <laughs> so they don't know what's going on, but they know it's not helping them out, and therefore they're not going to help anybody else out.
0: Well, it's been a pleasure having you here uh, as a guest co-host here on the world-famous Driving Your Crazy podcast. I hope you enjoyed your time. Yeah, I hope your ratings don't plummet this week because oh, but... <laughs> yeah, well, you know, we It's the bomb cyclone. Yeah. People are going to have lots of time to listen to the podcast. Yeah, they'll be second inside. That's exactly right. Well, thanks again for being here. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm Jason Lipp of the Traffic Guy. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.